In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Gospel today illustrates both the magnitude of God's forgiveness and our failure to comprehend it and experience it. Peter asked, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus' response essentially turned the question around and asked, how often do you want to be forgiven? Perhaps Jesus had in mind prophetically Peter's impending denial of him on Monday, Thursday night. Could we ever envision Jesus saying, as I've heard people say, I don't think I can ever forgive him for that. The refusal to forgive becomes a subtle and chilling self-indictment when we pray as we do continually, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Did you ever consider that you might actually be asking God not to forgive you? What makes it so hard for us to forgive others? The parable of the unforgiving servant could also be called the parable of the unforgiven servant. The king did indeed cancel the debt, but the servant did not take to heart the experience. He did not experience the king's act as an unmerited gift of grace. Perhaps he thought the king was being unfair in demanding payment. The king have, has lots of money. Why does he need mine? I should be paid more in my job anyway. This is just one more way that life is unfair to me. And if other people would pay me what they owed me, I wouldn't be in this position, having to grovel and all that. In the same manner, we come to the altar of God to confess our sins and receive the sacrament. We are given an astounding measure of grace. Whatever you owe God for your sins of thought, word, and deed for your entire life, and also your share in the collective guilt of humanity, <clears throat> God freely forgives. He undoes the curse of sin and welcomes us back into communion with himself through the cross. But somehow we are able to leave the altar, return to life, and remain bitter at those who have wronged us. If we hear this parable and get angry at the injustice of the unforgiving servant, we must hear the words that Nathan the prophet spoke to King David. You are the unforgiving servant. Propitiously, I stumbled upon a C.S. Lewis issue on, or essay on forgiveness this past week. <clears throat> In his essay, Lewis writes, quote, I find that when I'm asking God to forgive me, I am often, in reality, asking him to do something quite different. I'm asking him not to forgive me, but to excuse me. Forgiving means, yes, you have done this thing. I accept your apology. I will never hold it against you again, and everything between us will be exactly as it was before. Excusing means, I see that you couldn't, really help it, or didn't really mean it, or aren't really to blame. 
Lewis makes the point that our sin typically involves a combination of two things. We experienced some form of injustice, abuse, oppression, or pain that motivated us to do something wrong in response or perhaps just to cope with it. Thus, our confession often amounts to asking God to excuse us for what we have done in the light of what we have experienced. But this is not a confession, and it does not result in forgiveness. Our confession must only focus on what we have actually done wrong without giving any excuse for it, no matter what has been done to us. And this ties directly into our Christian vocation to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Jesus suffered many things culminating in the unjust sentencing of him to death on the cross. But Jesus never responded to what was done to him by doing something unjust, by sinning. Rather, as St. Peter writes, he, quote, committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. As a man in his earthly life, Jesus did not take justice into his own hands. He acted righteously and committed his case to God. And God did, in due time, judge those who wronged him. Within a generation of the crucifixion, Jerusalem was leveled by the Roman legions an action that took place because, as Jesus said, quote, you did not know the time of your visitation. The sinlessness of Jesus was his refusal to participate in the human cycle of sin and retribution, his refusal to respond to evil with evil. Following him means doing the same thing in our lives refusing to use the evil done to us or whatever we've experienced as an excuse to do what is wrong. As St. Peter goes on to say, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, should live to righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. When we confess our sins, and take responsibility for what we have done wrong without excusing any of it, God forgives us. We become, in biblical language, blameless before God. And like Jesus, we can count on God to judge for us, to pass sentence in our favor against those who have wronged us and are unrepentant. When people are repentant, we need to be open to full reconciliation. However, if we use the wrong done to us as an excuse for sin, the judgment of God will fall on us as well as on those who wronged us. We will merely perpetuate the human cycle of sin and retribution in which all are guilty and all will be judged.
There's another reason we hold on to our grievances. We have difficulty letting go of the past, the things that we wanted but did not get. We may experience forgiveness for the things we have done wrong, but we may still look back with regret and disappointment with God and others because we wanted our lives to be different. Forgiveness means at least two things. The first is to give up our right of retribution against those who have wronged us, leaving justice to God. The second is to give up our need for anything to be different than it is so that we can begin to live new lives in Christ right now. This second element is difficult, and it represents the biggest barrier to our experience of grace. For I can say, I forgive you, and I let go of my right to get back at you, but I can still be gripped by the desire for things to have turned out differently. I may still want the good I wanted rather than the good I got. The issue here at root is our perspective on the kingdom of God. Do we view the kingdom of God as the means to some end or something we want in this world? Or do we view what happens to us in this world as the means to the end of union with God in his kingdom? <clears throat> Just as we often ask God to excuse sin rather than forgive it, so we often use faith to manage life in this world rather than as the entryway into an entirely new life in the kingdom of God. To freely forgive others, and perhaps even to freely forgive ourselves, we have to let go of the good we wanted but did not get. We have to rewrite our story so that we see the past as the way that God has brought us to himself in the present. For the past we hold on to is a fantasy. It is not real, but we weave it into an idealized story. Then we become bitter that the fantasy fairy tale was taken away from us. In reality, the only life we have is the one we have right now with the exact past that led to it. If we believe that Jesus is Lord, then we must accept this life that we now have as his gift to us and let go of the fantasy that was not, is not, and never will be. Our regrets are unbalanced in any event. If things really were different, they may have been worse rather than better. The alternative universe may never have led us to Christ or may, let us, may have led us away from Christ. Christ's gift to us is new life right now in the light of our real past. As Jesus said, quote, Behold, I make all things new. And as St. Paul wrote, quote, If anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. At the heart of this newness is the experience of forgiveness, which requires us to forgive others. Forgiving others is as important to our freedom as is our own experience of forgiveness. When we refuse to forgive, we allow those who have wronged us to retain their power over us. They, rather than Christ and the life he gives us, determine who we are and how we will live. Forgiving others sets us free from our captivity to them. Only by being forgiven and by forgiving can we become truly free. Nonetheless, if freedom is not sufficient incentive, we have the clear and sobering words of Jesus. Quote, so shall my heavenly father also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.